must be attentive. In those days, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And from Philetos he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after my departure, the fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to every word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that part, so by toiling one must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus and how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had spoken thus, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Peace be to you, the reader. be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. At that time, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, to whom you have, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now, Father, you glorify me in your own presence with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, you, have, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. 
For I have given them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. They have believed that you did send me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are mine. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. For I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Our Lord said in the Gospel today, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He tells us what eternal life is. He's not telling us how to get there, per se. He's not telling us the attributes of a person who is going towards eternal life. He's telling us the essence. What is eternal life? What is it? What is the experience of it? This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. It's not you know God and then you receive eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. So we should know what God is, right? And if God is the source of all good things, the source of love, the source of beauty, the source of joy, then knowing God, eternal life, is knowing true love, true beauty, true goodness, the truth, eternally. That is the experience of eternal life, is knowing God. This is what our Lord teaches us today in the Gospel. Now imagine there's some faraway, idyllic land that you would like to visit. With these beautiful flowers here, I think of some tropical beach. And you have a little postcard of that beach, that place that you're going to visit someday. And occasionally when you're going through your day, maybe it's at your work desk if you have work or on your kitchen counter, and you glance at that picture. Would you say that you know that place? Of course not. It's just a picture. You've never been there. You've never experienced that. 
This is how so much of our spiritual life is. It's this thing that we do on the side. We occasionally, you know, take a moment, look at the postcard, and then get back with our day. Then go back to what we're doing. If we understand that eternal life is knowing God, that begins right now. How can we know God? Because God wants us to know Him. He wants, as he said in the end of the gospel today, he wants that his joy be fulfilled in us. That's what he wants. Think about joy. Chara is the word in Greek. Joy, something that overwhelms you with lightness, with happiness, with goodness. He wants his joy to be fulfilled in us. That's what he said. And He wants to give it to us. But we spend our lives pursuing other things. Things that have the appearance of joy. Things that have the appearance of happiness, of contentment, of peace, of rest. But it never lasts. It never gets us there. So I'll make a bold statement. My brothers and sisters, we are going to die. We're going to die. We know this. Every single person before us has died. We will die. Death is on my mind a little bit more because an elderly neighbor of ours in our neighborhood is on his deathbed. He's been in the hospital for over a month. He had a surgery. And things are going towards that end that we all are approaching. And I visited him the other day And we just had this time of staring at each other. He wasn't really able to speak much. But just staring, looking at each other. At that moment, that time so close to death. Yorondesa Makrina, who is the spiritual mother, if you will, of the abbess of the monastery of St. John and of a number of other abbesses, there's a book called uh, Words from the Heart that we have in the bookstore that has some of her, her homilies. She talked also about that moment being in the presence of someone who was at the hour of their death. It was another nun that was with her at the monastery. And the nun said, I have to cross an abyss. Stay with me. Stay with me. I have to cross this abyss. This is that moment of death is seeing nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Death should always be on our mind. Not in a morbid way, not in a frightful or fearful way, but in the church it's called remembrance of death. Simply the remembrance of it. Just the simple fact I'm going to die. I'm going to die. To keep telling myself that. Again, not in a morbid way, not in a frightful way, but just simply, okay, in light of the fact that I'm going to die, what now? It's that prism that we can look through. You know, with the prism where the light shines and then the whole rainbow comes out the other side? Everything is shown to us. In light of our death, everything becomes a lot more clear. And for many of us, that clarity is at the moment of our death, not in the days and weeks and months and years that are preceding that. 
But our church reminds us, remember death. Because it's so easy to forget. We can be in the midst of our life just focusing on these things, all the things I have to do, places I have to go, all the worries. I'm looking down at this life and God is up there saying, look up, look up, you're going to die. And here I am looking at these things. In the uh, Old Testament readings from Vespers last night, there's a passage from Deuteronomy, and it was Moses speaking. And he said, he said, Do not be stiff-necked any longer. Do not be stiff-necked any longer. I think of that position like we're stuck here, focusing on these mundane, unimportant things that seem so important to us. We're unable to straighten our neck to look up and see what is really before us. And so Moses warns us, don't be stiff-necked any longer. It also kind of reminds us of that essential part of our life, which is repentance. In repentance, we are turning towards God. We're turning towards God. Turning away from the things that we've been focusing on. <clears throat> because you see, God wants to give us His joy. That's what he said in the Gospel today. He wants his joy fulfilled in us. That's what we should be seeking. And yet it's what we don't. Instead we pursue false joys and worldly prestige. And what do those things matter in the face of death? What do they matter? When we die, we'll stand before Christ. And what will he care about? Well, here's another quote from Yerondes Amakrina talking about this. God is not going to look for knowledge or university degrees or anything else. God is only going to look for two things. Humility and prayer. If you acquire prayer, you have found God. In prayer, we can know God. And the way that we approach prayer is through humility. What is humility? Humility is simply saying, I need God. That's what humility is. Think about it. When we're humble, it says, I can't do much. I'm not able to do much. When I try to do things, I mess them up. I'm not great or glorious or successful or any of those things. I need God. And when we need God, then God comes to us. Then God comes to us. My brothers and sisters, we're all going to die. We need to remember this. Everything before our lives is in light of that. May that be the prism of every moment of our life. Amen.